Hello, and welcome to the Eccles Business Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Johnson, and I'm so glad you've joined me for our final episode of season five. We've been talking this season all about the challenges that women face in the workplace, especially here in Utah. And today we're going to pivot a little bit to talk about some of the solutions and how the Eccles School is working to prepare women and all students for a more successful and equitable workplace experience. Joining me today is Katie Abbey, Special Advisor to the President of the University of Utah and Assistant Dean of Business Career Success and Corporate Outreach at the David Eccles School of Business. An experienced staffing executive, Katie graduated from the U in 1984, and in 1990, she co-founded Vista Staffing Solutions, where she served as COO and then president. She transferred her skills as an entrepreneur to build a professional placement firm at the Eccles School and is now scaling this program to other colleges on the University of Utah campus. Katie, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Francis. Well, before we get into business career success and how the Eccles School is really part of this solution of preparing women to succeed at higher levels in the workplace, I'd love to talk a little bit about your own experience as a woman in the workplace and as an entrepreneur. Talk to us about some of the challenges that you faced in your career. Yeah, it's really interesting because I always knew that I would go into business and be a professional. As you know, because you just said this in my introduction, I founded a healthcare staffing company. And when you create your own organization, you really have the opportunity to create the cultural environment that, that you choose and that you desire. And so for the first 20 years of my career, I really felt like women had made a lot of progress in the workplace. And it wasn't until we sold the organization in 2007 and I became an executive in a very large publicly traded organization that I realized that women haven't come so far at all. And so that was a real wake up call for me to then step in and say, well, you know, how can we help women to better succeed in higher level positions in industry? I've heard you talk about this before, Katie, and I think it's so interesting, this idea that as an entrepreneur, as a founder, you are able from the ground up to create the kind of corporate culture and environment that you want that reflects your values. Talk to us a little bit about the values that you incorporated into your company as you were starting out and what was important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I've always been very fortunate to have great mentors. And interestingly enough, my main mentors, particularly in the early years of my career, were white men and who were incredibly supportive of women, who saw the value that women bring to the workplace, who really felt very strongly that diverse workforce creates better outcomes for organizations and for their customers. And so that was the platform on which we built our company. Our particular industry, the staffing industry, really lends itself well to the essential skills that women have. So as a result of that, we typically had a larger percentage of women in management and leadership roles than men, which is really the opposite of what's happening in most places in our country. And so we decided to create this incredible environment where our philosophy was the customer comes second. 
And by that, we felt it was very important to put our staff and our employees first. And obviously, that includes all the women and all the men who work for us. And we felt that if we created this incredible environment in which they could work, created career paths so people knew that they could grow and develop their careers and move on and challenge themselves. And we provided them with all the basic tools for success and the opportunity to earn a great income that they would turn around and take better care of our customers. And so that culture and philosophy worked very, very well. Now, of course, today, that's a very popular thing to say, we're we're gonna put our staff first and have this people first culture in the workplace. But back in the early 90s, it was not really something that was done on a regular basis. I can see why then going into a more traditional company environment after your business was sold was such a shock. As you say, that was not a common way to do business back then. And I think sometimes not even now. I'm curious now as you work with female students, as you place them into jobs, into internships, what challenges do you see them facing? And are some of them the same as the challenges that you faced? Yeah, and I th- I think they do face a lot of the same challenges. And I'll tell you a couple of stories to illustrate it because it was indeed a little bit of a shock to move from a culture that was warm and welcoming to all that we created into really a publicly traded company that was a little bit old school. For example, I was the first female president running businesses for this particular organization. And I'll never forget after the first earnings call that I participated in, I received emails from women all over the world, with employees all over the world, saying how great it was to hear a female voice. So that was one thing that just shocked me because I hadn't really thought through the fact that the speakers for this organization had always been men. Then I was also, I found it intriguing when I would attend board meetings because inevitably, the table would be surrounded by all the men, regardless of their position within the organization. And I walked into my very first board meeting with this new company and sitting on the outskirts against the wall away from the table was the chief legal counsel who was a very, very smart and talented woman. And I was so stunned by this because, you know, there was no room for her actually at the table. And that's sort of the stereotypical image that a lot of people get in their minds about the differences between men and women, but it actually did happen to me. And so all of these kinds of experiences tend to build up over time. And when I came to the University of Utah, one of the first things I told then Dean Randall was, you know, I really want to make sure that we're creating programming to support women in the workplace. That story is so fascinating because we talk about, in a figurative sense, making space at the table. It's a literal example exactly. <laughs> of their actually like physically not being space at the table for women and how, as you say, these experiences build up over time and I think can become really demoralizing for female job seekers, for female employees. I'm curious, Katie, as you work with female students, female alums now, how do you address that? compounding effect on their 
emotional health and mental well-being? What tools do women need to push against this even when it seems so blatant? Yeah. So, Francis, I'm sure you've you've heard the statistic that women tend to only apply for positions if they meet 100% of the criteria requested in the job description, whereas men, if they hit about 50%, they're all in. And so what this speaks to is the fact that, in general, women lack the same sort of confidence in the workplace that men do. So it all starts with how do we build confidence? And so we take a a real strengths-based approach here in the David Eccles School of Business to help our female students, and frankly, all of our students, but especially our female students and our students from underrepresented populations, to know and understand the unique skills that they bring to the workplace and the value that that adds in the workplace. And then we help them learn how to articulate that value in a way that can translate to an employer understanding that this person is an incredible asset to our organization and also will translate to stronger compensation packages and hopefully moving down the line, greater opportunity for promotion and career development. So it all starts with with building that confidence, with understanding what it is that you bring to the table and then learning how to articulate that. I think that's so true that we, as women in particular, and speaking as a woman myself, often have skills that I don't understand are valuable to other people or a skill that can be applied in a way that I hadn't considered before. Like, for example, I have three kids and I worked part-time from home for eight years And it occurred to me when I was looking for full-time work to get back into the full-time workplace that that's a great example of really good time management because I only had the three hours of preschool or the five hours of school to get my work done and I learned how to do it. And that's actually an asset even in a full-time job. So thinking of our skills in a new way first understanding what they are and then thinking of new applications, I think is so valuable as the person looking for a job or applying for a job. Talk to us about the flip side because part of your role is also corporate outreach. How do you work with companies to sort of train them to view employees with a broader mind or view skills with that wider application? It's interesting because just about every organization with whom we speak talks to us about the need to hire a more diverse workforce. In the state of Utah, that can often mean hiring more women. The problem comes is that the employers tend to be hiring to a number. We need to add so many individuals who fall within certain categories without considering that if you don't create an inclusive environment and an environment in which these these folks can succeed, they're going to leave your organization for somewhere else that's more welcoming to them. So we encourage employers to treat women differently, which sounds weird, but the key point is women have different skill sets. They have different things that motivate them. They bring a different set of values to the organization. So if you try and hire a group of women or individuals from underrepresented groups and then treat them as you would the white male population in your organization, you're probably not going to succeed. 
We encourage employers to do bias training for all of their staff and in particular people in management and leadership positions. We encourage them to really take a look at their organization and create an environment in which everyone can thrive. And that may mean different things for different people. We ask them to please do for women what you do for men, which is create career paths, offer them training, give them important projects to work on, give them an opportunity to lead, etc. And here's a big one. We ask them to look and see if they have a broken rung within their organization. And this is a term that's often used to indicate that a company is missing the opportunity for that first step into management roles for women. The rung is broken and they can't advance. It's a real opportunity when an organization can say, yes, we're missing a chance to elevate everyone who's, who has talent within our organization, especially women. How do you prepare these job seekers beforehand? We are very lucky in the David Eccles School of Business in that we have made a huge investment in professional development for our students. And it's all paid for through their tuition dollars. So we encourage students to start coming to see us the minute they step foot on campus because it takes time. It takes time to develop that professional presence. It takes time to appreciate your personal skill set. It takes time to learn how to speak clearly and in, in a way that promotes yourself within an interview or within the job setting itself and so forth. So it's really important that students come to see us early and often. We have 15 career coaches here in the David Eccles School of Business. They are all amazing. And so the students should never have to wait to get an appointment to come in and see a career coach. We're going to make sure that their resumes are top-notch, that they understand the different types of interviews that they could be faced with and how to succeed in each one. We're going to teach them salary negotiation. And in fact, we have great salary negotiation workshops that are formulated specifically for women. We have others that are formulated, for example, for our international students because there might be slight differences in the way you wish to communicate. So students need to take advantage of all of these resources that are available to them. When a student gets a job offer or is considering going in and asking for a promotion or a salary increase, we want them to come to us and we'll work with them one-on-one on that specific situation so that they understand what their position should be and what we think the employer's position will be and teach them how to perform the negotiation in a way that's very respectful and that puts the company first so that they're really showing that they're engaged and they understand the challenges that the corporation faces and that they want to be a strong participant in future success. And Katie, these services and this guidance, this help is available from matriculation through retirement, right? So we're not just talking about students, but any alum at any point in their career can come back and ask for help. That's exactly right. 
it's really important also for our employer and community partners because they hire at all levels within their organizations, not just entry level. And so we enjoy it when our alumni come back to us and, and say, I'm ready to pivot in my career. And we have lots of opportunities to share with them. And the preparation might be slightly different because of their position within their organization and the growth that they've achieved since they left us. But yes, we welcome them from graduation through retirement. I think that's such an amazing resource because sometimes we want to totally change careers or sometimes we get to a point in our career where we need different skills or different confidence to move forward. And especially if we're in a situation where we're not receiving that mentorship or that guidance in our workplace environment, how lucky it is to have a place to come and get it. I agree 100%. And this philosophy is now trickling out to the rest of campus as Taylor Randall is now the president, because it is so important to our students to show the commitment that we have to strong outcomes once they leave us. Katie, I want to go back to something you said earlier in our conversation, which I thought was so interesting that as you built your own company, you thought, wow, women have made these great strides and then you find yourself in a different environment and the reality is a little bit different. Women hadn't come as far as maybe you thought or had hoped. I'm wondering about now as you're sending female students, female alums into the workplace, what are you seeing as far as progress? Are there things that are easier for them that were harder before Or are there maybe new challenges that they're facing now that require a different kind of guidance or preparation? We are still seeing many of the same challenges, the stereotypes of of women lacking the same level of confidence that men do. We often tell our female students, check your humble at the door. When you're working in a professional environment is not the time to be humble, right? You'll see men are more than happy to talk about their successes, their skills and so forth. And as women, we tend to be taught to be humble, to be quiet, to support. We want our female students to stop saying my work should speak for itself and teach them how to speak up for themselves and know and appreciate how important they are to any employer and to know and appreciate that they have a unique skill set a different skill set, certainly from men, but from other individuals within the organization as well. And they have to know how to articulate that extremely well to succeed. In terms of new challenges, you know, in some ways, women are catching up as you look at the statistics in terms of compensation, in terms of women in positions of senior leadership, such as CEOs, We are slowly as a country making progress. We're making small incremental improvements in those areas, but we still have a really, really long way to go. So we're going to continue to fight the good fight and and help women to advance as much as we can. This issue of women at executive levels is especially a tricky one, and we know that Utah ranks in the bottom five, the bottom two, maybe the bottom one, representation of women in executive leadership. What do you think are the skills that women need to break that barrier in particular? I think a big thing is we need to become more comfortable 
in our discomfort. Because as women, we're asking you to step out of your normal comfort zone, which is traditionally and stereotypically more of a support role, and to ask to become a leader. And whether you're an official leader or you're a leader by example, it's really important to take that step and not just say, oh, this is too hard, or I'm really concerned about it, or it makes me uncomfortable, but become comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's actually interesting because that's a strategy I use when I train for marathons or endurance events, is once you're comfortable being uncomfortable, then you know you're going to succeed. So that's a very important first step. Katie, one of the other things we've been talking about this season is the role of empathy in creating these accepting and inclusive environments and the role of empathy in positive leadership. One of the values of the Eccles School is empathetic global citizenship, and I think we can include leadership in that category as well. Talk about empathy. What role does it play in a positive and inclusive corporate culture and workplace environment? And how do employees bring empathy to bear in their work in a way that contributes to that positive culture? It can be quite difficult to practice empathy, particularly if you're in a leadership role and you're used to certain types of employees and individuals, and now we're bringing in people from underrepresented groups, or we're trying to diversify, or we're making great changes within our company. So it's important to sort of step back and take a breath before you react, because, you know, one of the hardest lessons that I had to learn as a business owner was that people don't always do the work in the same manner in which I would do the work. But that's okay if the outcome is what you're looking for. But it takes a lot of time and patience and energy and that ability to be in the moment and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a deep breath and think about this before I react. And so I think empathy does play an important role. And also understanding that it's quite challenging. If you're a company that's comprised, you know, mostly men and you start hiring women into the organization, they're going to be experiencing a little bit of discomfort. And so empathizing and understanding that it's challenging for individuals and they're coming into your company wanting to succeed. And so you want to do everything you can to help them. I love that, that people come in wanting to succeed. No one comes in or few people come in. Certainly no Eccles grads would come in never thinking <laughs> I don't want to succeed at all in this environment. But understanding that people's experiences are different from yours. And I agree that can be really hard when you look around and say, but it works for everyone else. Why isn't it working for you to take that step back, as you say, and examine a little bit more closely. How do companies change in a positive way when they have this empathetic leadership, when they have a more diverse workplace and a workplace where a diverse workforce can succeed? How do companies benefit? Companies benefit, and the research is very clear on this, that when you have diversity in leadership, you're much more likely to be more successful and more profitable than your competitors. So there, there's truly a financial reason to do this. But I think 
organizations, it's not easy, right? It's not easy to change the way in which you do things. It's not easy to to change your corporate culture. It's not easy to practice empathy. And so it takes ongoing effort. I think it's important that we continue to educate ourselves on current issues, to educate ourselves on the various cohorts and demographics of workers and understand what their motivations are and how to extract the best out of every individual because what works well for me, I'm the last of the boomers, is probably not going to work well for my millennial counterparts. And so that education and open-mindedness is key and also practicing patience because it does take time. Open communication is also incredibly important. We're all going to stumble and fall and do something wrong at one point or another. And it's really important to be able to say, I made a mistake. Help me understand how I can do better next time. I think you make such a great point that understanding across generations is also part of empathy, part of inclusivity. And as I think back on our discussion about new challenges that women in particular may be facing in the workplace, these generational differences are a big part of it, right? The things that motivate Gen Z are very different from the things that motivate. I myself am referred to as an elder millennial. (laughs) Even just that one generation difference, there are big differences in the way that people communicate and their motivations when it comes to the type of work they want to do and how they want to do it, when it comes to their own lived experience, right? Living through the pandemic, living through economic downturns. There are so many things that make us who we are and inform what we do. And those things are always evolving. And it seems to me that practicing empathy can kind of be the engine that keeps you aware and addressing all of those changing needs. I agree with that 100%. I do think that it's important to practice empathy on a regular basis. As the last of the boomers, for me, I worked for 25 years in pretty much the same job in the same industry, right? (laughs) So when I came over here to the business school, to the University of Utah, it was quite a frightening thing to step into something pretty new. I do study people from other cohorts very carefully because millennials and Gen Z, they tend to move around a lot more. And in my head, I'm thinking, how do you do that? How do you change jobs so often when for me, it created incredible stress to change and try and do something new? So I think we can learn from one another I sit here and spend a lot of time thinking, okay, how can I keep a millennial employed on my team for 10 years? And and then I watch them and I think, okay, now how are they so adaptable? Because I want a little bit of that for myself. As you look forward, Katie, as the workplace changes, as the workforce changes, as we all work to learn from each other, which I think is so true, we can see these differences as a hindrance or an annoyance, or we can see them as a chance to maybe gain something new and better ourselves. As you look forward into that landscape, 
What role do you want or hope that business career success will play? How do you see this model as part of the solution going forward? I am so grateful to have had the opportunity to build first business career success and now for the university, you career success, because we are really helping to change lives for the better. And by that, I mean, we're offering a lot of support to students to learn not just academically, but professionally, how to improve themselves and how to present their best possible self to the real world when they leave us. And that is a real gift to those of us who get to work in this industry, but it's a massive gift to our students as well that the University of Utah thinks so highly of our students and believes in its heart that our students are the future and that they're going to go out there and do good in the world. And so the university has made an incredible investment in professional development to ensure that that experience on the exit is as good as the academic experience. And that's a pretty amazing thing. So my hope for the future, we will continue this work. The work continues to evolve as things change in in our professional world. But the one thing that will never change is our commitment to student success and strong career outcomes and the fact that we will always be here for our University of Utah and our Eccles family. I just have one last question, Katie, which is a question that I've asked all my guests this season to sort of wrap up our episodes. Tell me, what is a piece of advice that you wish you had as you had started your career? Or what advice would you give to women who are preparing to enter the workforce today? My biggest piece of advice would be to embrace your true self. I know for me, I tried for many years to behave as my male counterparts behaved, particularly in leadership roles, and it never worked well for me. But when I embraced my personality and who I am, what my strengths are, and used those in my work, then things came together really beautifully. So take the opportunity to get to know yourself and know that who you are is not just good enough, but it's great. And figure out how you're going to add value to every role that you enter into and every organization with whom you associate and things will go well for you. I think that's a perfect end to the episode and to the season. Thank you, Katie, so much for joining me today. Thank you, Francis. It's always a pleasure. That wraps up this season of the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. Thank you to all the guests who shared their stories, experiences, and expertise this season. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us. I hope hearing from our guests this season has helped grow your own empathy as we all work to be a little more inclusive. We'll be taking a short break and then we'll be back in March for season six, where we'll continue our discussion of empathy and how the Echo School is working towards equity, diversity, and inclusion on campus and beyond. You won't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe to Echo's Business Buzz wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Echo's Alumni so you can keep up with the latest news until we're together again. See you soon for season six.
Eccles Business Buzz is a production of the David Eccles School of Business and is produced by University FM.